Thanks, guys. Man, <laughs> that was pretty wild. Uh, yeah, so like the whole church like lost power for a second. Uh, so that was pretty fun. So we were like scrambling back there. Uh, the, the words to the first song that we had in like this morning like disappeared. Like it just did. It was all gone. So I'm like, I was trying to throw the words in there so that. Isn't that the worst thing when you're standing there and there's like a song and you're like, I don't know the words and there are no words. And so I guess I'll just stand here. I don't know what's going on. Um, but, you know, you got to live a little. It's fine. So, so uh, I'm excited to jump in. I'm excited to get uh, into our series. Uh, we've been walking through this idea that if we're following Jesus, then our lives and the things that we do should reflect like what Jesus did. If we want to say, hey, I'm going to follow Jesus, um, it's basically us saying, I want to I be like him. So I would live my life in a way that I'm doing the things that Jesus did. And, and one thing that I want us to look today, basically the, the main thing, even I think we're actually going to look at this over the next kind of two weeks, um, and we'll take this in two parts, is really one thing that we take for granted is the fact that every single day we have like the opportunity to sit and, and we can open up the Bible, like, we can open up scripture, we can open up God's word, and, and we can just, like, read it like it's a book. Like, it's, it's put together in, I don't know, a couple thousand pages, like extremely small, thin pages or whatever. Uh, but I can, at any point, even on my phone, I can sit there and I can say, oh, what's that verse, or what's that in this chapter, or in this book, or whatever, what did Jesus say, or what was this? Like, I could look that up. Even if I don't remember what it is, I could Google and be like, what's that one verse where Jesus says something kind of like this? And then Google will show up and be like, oh, did you mean like, and here's like three or four verse options that it's like, oh yeah, it was that one. That's the one, like I kind of remembered like half of it, but I forgot. And, and so we take for granted a lot that we just have like access to this. Like sitting here in our laps or on your phone is the Bible. So what we would say is God's word um, but the crazy thing is that when we look at Jesus, um, in that time that Jesus was around, the way that they interacted with Scripture was like completely different than the way then that we interact with Scripture right now. So if you wanted to read like Genesis or Exodus or something like that or, or know what was in it, you had to go like to the synagogue, the local, the local synagogue, where they had um, scrolls of like Genesis, like the Genesis scroll, and, and they were extremely valuable um, items. Like you didn't just walk into someone's house and they've got like this like bookshelf of scrolls and it's like, oh, that's my Bible. Like you didn't, that didn't happen. Whenever, whenever you wanted to hear scripture, Whenever you wanted to hear or, or know what was in there, you had to go to the synagogue. You had to go find a place where, where that could be rolled out, like the scroll could be rolled out. They weren't, the scrolls weren't separated by uh, chapters or verses. And so you would have to figure out, well, where did that say or what was going on? And you would open it up. Or basically someone else probably who was in charge of handling the scrolls would open it up and you could look. And the other main way that you interacted with the scriptures were at synagogue on the Sabbath, the, the priest, whoever was in charge, rabbis, they would read from the scroll. Like you'd go 
essentially kind of how we show up on Sunday mornings and somebody like opens up the Bible and teaches from the word. That's what was going on. But whoever was in charge, the rabbi, the, the priest, whoever, they would open up the scroll and they would just read from it. And so could you imagine if I said, all right, guys, Exodus, or if I, even better, if I'm like, all right, guys, Leviticus, and I just stood up here and I read just like straight up from beginning to end Leviticus, and I was like, the word of the Lord, everyone go home. Like, <laughs> that's it. That's all we're doing today. And then we do like a couple like hymns or something, uh, or like chants. There's probably more chants, more chanting. Um, and you know what? Honestly, it's probably like somebody would like maybe sing a little a tune from a psalm. That probably was more likely um, rather than a, a chant. That's like, I think of like monks and stuff like that. But when we think about the way that Jesus interacted with Scripture, it's entirely different from the way that we know how to engage Scripture today. This is prevalent and like everywhere and easy to access, which is like a miracle in and of itself that we have this. Because also the scrolls, if you didn't know how to speak the language that they were written in, like you're out of luck. Then you have to have somebody else read it for you. The entire Old Testament is written in, in the language of Hebrew, all right, which looks like a bunch of characters and scribbles and stuff. And it reads from right to left as well instead of from left to right. So like it's we, if, you, if you go find a Hebrew Bible, they print them, you can like grab it, but it goes right to left. It's like the trippiest thing. It's so crazy. And if you wanted to even hear, hear this, most of the time, God's word was passed down by someone speaking it to you. Like, if you were even to, like, lay eyes on the scroll, like, that was, like, a big deal. And so, and the only way that you could copy these or, like, give it to someone, you had to have someone who knew how to write, so, like, some type of a scribe. And then they had to make sure that it was accurate. And so the crazy thing is that if you wanted to make a copy of a scroll, somebody had to sit down and, like, open up the scroll and from beginning to end, all, like, all of Genesis, and, like, and start writing this way, not this way. They had to start writing and, and, would, and would copy it down. And here's what they would do. To make sure that the copy of the scroll was, like, authentic and good, they would start with the first letter of the scroll and then with the last letter of the scroll, and then they would work their way to, like, the middle and if the middle letter of the original scroll was different than what this newly copied was, even after it was all done, it probably took weeks, months to like do this, then they would burn it and throw it away. Yeah. Could you imagine doing all that work and like you forgot like an extra T somewhere and they're like, sorry, and you have to start all over? Like we, I couldn't even fathom I don't know if any of you guys are, are you guys writing papers? Like, is anyone, do you guys have to write papers for school? Okay, it's like a page, like double-spaced, all right? Maybe two. If, even if that, if you, ha if you finish the paper and then your teacher looked at you and was like, yeah, this is garbage, and they threw it away, like, yeah, yeah, start over. Be like, I just, wait a minute. Like, just, now we don't even know what that's like because it's like, well, I have a saved copy and I'll just print off another one. But, like, if you had to write it by hand, and then they were like, yeah, sorry, you misspelled this, so you need to do it again, like, start over, I would lose my mind. That would be absolutely wild. But it's, it's interesting. If you, have your, if you do have your Bible today, open up to the book of Luke, um, and that's kind of where we're going to camp out. So what I want us to do is look and see how does Jesus handle Scripture? Because if we would say, and I would 
yeah, this, I would hold this to be true. We would say that, that the word of God, that God's word, scripture, the Bible, whatever you want to call it, this is important, right? I would say so. I mean, that's literally what we base everything that we're doing off. The things that we sung this morning, the reason why we're here, the reason why your parents do what they do, the reason why we follow what we do, like that we can look at this and say, yeah, this is ins- the inspired word of God and I'm going to live my life based off what I'm reading in here. That's a pretty big deal. And so if you go to Luke, I think the important thing as we say, I'm a follower of Jesus, that if I am doing that, then I want to know what does Jesus say about the scriptures? Because whenever Jesus was around, remember, none of the New Testament had been written yet. None of it. So like when Jesus was around, the only thing that, there, that existed were these scrolls, like a collection of scrolls that were housed at the synagogues. And if you were to hear it, it was read aloud to you. Or like somebody who had memorized it, people memorized this. Rabbis and, and priests, like they had even the books of the law and more completely memorized. They could read you off the entire scroll of Genesis. It's 50 chapters. They could just be like, here it is. And they could tell it to you, like, perfectly. That's crazy. So to think about how how scrolls and scriptures and the law of Moses and all those things were passed down is, like, mind-blowing to me. But I think the cool thing is that as we look here in the book of Luke, chapter 24, we're going to see how Jesus even uh, viewed scripture, which then should influence how we look at the Bible, right? Does that make sense? So, I think we've got Luke, I know we have Luke 24, I don't remember where I started. 35, okay, perfect. So I'm actually, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start reading a little bit earlier, um, and kind of just summarize before we get to verse uh, 35. So, uh, right, right before this, this is right after the resurrection of Jesus. Jesus hung on the cross for three days, he was buried in the tomb, and then he walks out of there in his new, like, in his new body. This is Jesus. And then after this happens, he appears to a couple people, to a couple of disciples. And then there's this really cool and like really funny story that we get in the middle of chapter 24, where Jesus, he starts like walking down this road and he starts walking with these two other people who were like following him and had kind of been like listening to his teachings and had been, they're they're called uh, his followers. It's in verse 13. The same day, two of Jesus' followers were walking to the village of Emmaus, seven miles from Jerusalem. And as they walked along, they were talking about everything that had happened, right? Jesus just got killed, and they're like, yeah, I don't know what's going on. What do we do? What the heck? As they talked and discussed these things, Jesus himself suddenly came and began walking with them. But God kept them from recognizing him. So it's crazy. Jesus is standing there with them. They've been following him around. Now he's back. They thought he's dead. And he's like walking with them. And for some reason, it's like he kind of keeps his identity hidden from them. Where he's just like listening to kind of the things that they're saying and how they're processing what's going on. And so he walks with them. And that happens for the next like 20 or so verses. And right before uh, they get to like the end of their journey, um, in verse 28, it says, By this time they were nearing Emmaus at the end of their journey. Jesus acted as if he was going on, but they begged him, stay the night with us since it's getting late. So he went home with them, 
And as they sat down to eat, he took the bread and blessed it. And as he broke it and gave it to them, suddenly their eyes were opened and they recognized him. And at that moment, he disappeared. So it was like crazy. So like they were like, oh, it's Jesus. And then he's like gone. Like, What's happening? So, and then immediately after, in 35, and this is where we pick up, these two guys from Emmaus who were with Jesus and they saw him, they end up going to like tell their story to these other, other disciples. So they show up here. So it says, then the two from Emmaus told their story of how Jesus had appeared to them as they were walking along the road and how they recognized him as he was breaking the bread. And just as they were telling about it, Jesus himself was suddenly standing there among them. So he like disappeared the day before. And then he's like, they were like, yeah, Jesus was there with us. And it's like, there he is. He's just there. Like he just shows up. Uh, But the whole group was startled, of course, when people just appear. That's a little terrifying. Um, And frightened, thinking that they were seeing a ghost. Let's go to the next one. Verse 38. Why are you frightened, he asked. What do you think we're frightened, Jesus? You just showed up out of nowhere. What are you talking about? Why are your hearts filled with doubt? Look at my hands. Look at my feet. You can see that it's really me. Touch me. Make sure that I am not a ghost. Because ghosts don't have bodies, as you see that I do. As he spoke, he showed them his hands and his feet. And so it's like they can't believe it. Still, they stood there in disbelief, filled with joy and wonder, And they asked him, "Uh, uh, do you have anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he ate it as they watched. So it was like this wild scene, right? Before all this happened, even these two guys walking to Emmaus, like they thought that the Jesus movement, they thought it was done. Like, man, we thought this was the guy that we were waiting for, and then uh, he died. So it looks like we got to kind of start over from square one. We don't really know what to do now. And then all of a sudden, Jesus starts walking with them, reveals himself that he's, it's him. And like their minds are blown. They run back to the disciples and they're like, we saw Jesus. And they're like, well, it's so crazy. And then he just is there. And now they're eating fish together. All right? It was crazy. And so here, then uh, verse 44, this is where I, I want to camp um, for today. Then he said, when I was with you before, I told you that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and in the Psalms, must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. And he said, yes, it was written long ago that the Messiah would suffer and die and rise from the dead on the third day. It was also written that this message would be proclaimed in the authority of his name to all the nations, beginning in Jerusalem. There is forgiveness of sins for all who repent. You are witnesses of all these things. So did you catch that? In verse 44, look at that with me. Jesus is saying, when I was with you before, I told you that everything written about me in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms must be fulfilled. So when you even think about like, okay, like, well, what was scripture? What was scripture for people back then? Jesus references these three things the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms. And he says that everything contained within that was written about who? Yeah, him. He says it's written about me. That contained in their scrolls that they have, right? And when he says uh, the law of Moses, he's talking about five books. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. The first five books in your Old Testament are known as the law of Moses, the law of Moses. The prophets, 
then you could get into uh, a, a large kind of middle chunk of the Old Testament, and then the Psalms, we've got the Psalms. But there's a lot of evidence that points that as he talks about the Psalms, that there's, it's, it's even more than that. So this is, this is really interesting. Um, I think it's actually the last slide, Kyle, if you want to throw, throw that up there. So this is a lot up here. So let me, I know, uh, let me just pick this apart. So um, there is, in our Bible, right, there's two Testaments. There's the Old Testament at the beginning. It's all the stuff before Jesus. And then we have the New Testament, or like the New Covenant what it's called. Um, and again, if you were in Jesus's time, you would show up, and if you wanted to know anything that the Old Testament said, or like what was in those scrolls, you'd have to go to the synagogue, and it was there. And like you would pick through and read through the scrolls, and not everybody, or even every synagogue had all these. They were like precious items. It was crazy. But even now, um, before Jesus showed up, there was like good evidence that what we have as the Hebrew Bible um, it was ordered differently. So um, even now, if you were to go to the store and look for a Hebrew Bible, like a Jewish Hebrew Bible, this is how it's ordered. Uh, it's the same. So here on the left, you have the Hebrew Bible. Um, it's called the Tanakh. That's like another word for it. And then on this side, you have like the Christian Old Testament that's like in your Bible right now or like on your app or whatever. But in this... The first five books are the same. The Torah or the Law of Moses. You had Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. And then after that uh, comes what is called the prophets. And so Joshua, Judges, Samuel, and Kings. And then you have Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel. Then the, the uh, minor prophets. You got Hosea through uh, Malachi, the Italian prophet. Just kidding. It's Malachi. <laughs> Sorry, that was a Bible joke. Um, so, uh, and then after, I don't know why I said that. I'm so sorry. It's more confusing than anything. There are no Italian prophets. So I'm really sorry. Um, so, so you've got, you have all the prophets. Uh, and then what you have is called the writings. Um, and this includes Psalms, Job, and Proverbs. And then also you've got like Ruth, Song of Songs, Ecclesiastes, Lamentations, Esther, Daniel, Ezra and Nehemiah, technically, I also spelled that wrong. Um, Ezra and Nehemiah, they are, they're, they're one, one scroll. So like in your Bible, Ezra comes first, and then there's like, boom, a new book, Nehemiah. Technically, they're all one scroll. Ezra and Nehemiah were all on one. There was no like chapter break. It was just like Ezra and Nehemiah was all, here's a scroll. Um, and then it ends with Chronicles, all right? But if you look in the Christian Old Testament that we have now, like Chronicles is like way up there in like the history books. So it lays out in our Bible, you've got the books of the law, first five, same, great. Joshua, Judges, that's the same. You got Joshua, then Judges. And then we throw Ruth in there. Then you got Samuel and Kings. And Chronicles here is in the end, but it's up there. And then it goes Ezra, Nehemiah, Esther, which is also here in the writings down here. And so it's like, you can see how it's different. So, like, even the order of the Old Testament that we have now wasn't always kind of maybe how these scrolls were grouped. So there's good evidence that whenever Jesus was around, the, the main grouping of, like, Old Testament books that we know now, the scrolls, we think about them kind of like as a physical paper scroll. Like, if you walked into a synagogue, you'd have the laws of Moses, you'd have Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy right here. 
And then you would have the prophets, like in this middle section that you could pull a scroll out and read it, put it back. Um, and then, like, the writings. It, was, it almost seems kind of like a junk drawer of, like, where they're like, we don't really know where to put this, and so we put it at the end. Um, and so that would be over here. It'd just kind of be all the other writings that they had. They would pull those out and write. Um, and so that's kind of how it's organized. So that's, that's just, like, interesting to think about that the Bible order even that we have today is different than potentially the way that it was ordered even before Jesus was around. When you think about Old Testament scrolls and writings and all of these things, it's crazy to me. But what Jesus was saying to his disciples is like mind-blowing to them. That all of these existed, right, kind of even in this order. And what does Jesus say? He says, all of the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. So Psalms is the first book in, considered as a part of the writings, the writings. The law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms all point back to me. So what Jesus was trying to tell them is that everything that they had up to that point, you look, even if you look, if you go back and read through the Old Testament, that everything in there is pointing to who? Jesus. Yes, that's the one time I'll ask that with the Jesus answer. It's pointing to Jesus, the very churchy answer. But it's true that everything in there points to Jesus. So then as you read it, or as we read it now, it should change the way that we see it. So even if you're reading in Leviticus, <laughs> which I know not many of you are. I know there's some of you that are. Maybe you're doing like a Bible in a year kind of a thing. That you could look at that and say, okay, how is this pointing me to Jesus? But I, I think it's an important distinction. Um, if you want to go, I think it's the, the Luke, uh, it was the next slide after I, yeah. Um, this is even, he kind of like shortens it. This is before, as they're walking down, he's talking to the dudes on the way to uh, Emmaus. He says, uh, you foolish people, he's talking to these dudes. You find it so hard to believe all the prophets wrote in the scriptures. Wasn't it clearly predicted the Messiah would have to suffer all these things before entering his glory? Like, didn't you read that in there? Then Jesus took them through the writings of Moses and all the prophets, explaining from all the scriptures the things concerning himself, which is like crazy. All the things concerning himself. So even Jesus is like walking through this with these guys, showing them how all of this points to him. All of this points to me. Um, if you go to Luke 11, uh, verse 50 through 51, this is like another uh, verse in Luke. This is really interesting. I find this very interesting. Just even kind of giving like support and uh, yeah, to, to the organization of how the scrolls were even set up. So Luke eleven fifty through 51 says, as a result, this is uh, Jesus is talking. He says, as a result, this generation will be held responsible for the murder of all God's prophets from the creation of the world. From the murder of Abel to the murder of Zechariah who was killed between the altar and the sanctuary. Yes, it will certainly be charged against this generation. And you're like, Adam, that's a super weird passage. Why are we, what's going on? Why are we looking at this? Okay. And it's because if you look at this, Jesus, he's like chastising the, the, the people. And he's saying that they'll, they'll be held accountable. But the way that he even organizes it, he says that you'll be held accountable basically from the beginning to the end of, of when we've been doing, of time, of since time was created since this world has existed. So he says, from the murder of Abel, and you guys remember Abel? You got Cain and Abel, like the two brothers, literally like chapter four of Genesis. 
this happens, that Abel killed by his brother. But then Zechariah, he's like a random prophet, and you're like, well, that's weird. But the interesting thing is that Zechariah is the very last prophet uh, to be killed and is kind of like the ending section of the book of Chronicles. So if you go back to like that little chart, that from A to Z, from beginning to end, that everything kind of from, from the start to finish, go back to that, that table for me, Kyle. You've got Genesis, where Abel is murdered, like in the very beginning, all the way down to Chronicles, right here, where Zechariah is seen killed at like the very end. So it's interesting that it's ordered this way, but then Jesus even talks about it like this, like, because that's such a random, Zechariah, even if you look at the prophets, like, it's happening, um, like, his, his book is, is, like, in the prophets in the middle there, but it's, it's recapped and, and outlined and part of the closing section of Chronicles. So to go from Abel to Zechariah is, like, from beginning to end. So even whenever Jesus was thinking about Scripture and the scrolls, it was, like, in this way. Which is, it's just, it's interesting to think about. But I think the important thing that I want to, like, just keep driving home to you guys is that Jesus tells us that all of those things, the laws of Moses, the prophets, the writings, all those things point back to him. So when we read scripture, the important thing is that we would look for Jesus in the midst of those writings, in the midst of scripture, even the Old Testament, that all of it, all of scripture is pointing us to Jesus, the whole thing. It all works together to point us to the story of Jesus. And so it's interesting. Um, I, I think that I've, I've grown up uh, in this, and you guys probably have too. I'm probably guilty of this. Uh, but a lot of the times we take scripture, like in stories of people in the Bible, and we like to make them about us. All right, so for example, um, you've got uh, like David and Goliath, probably like the biggest example of that, where right? Somebody starts teaching on David and Goliath, the like end point and like main thing. It's like, man, David, through the power of God, he slayed the giant and you can too, kind of a thing, right? That you can beat the giants in your life, right? Not totally, horribly a bad message. Um, But the hope would be really, if you look at it through like a Jesus lens, that when you see David defeating Goliath in the Old Testament, it's actually this picture of Jesus who defeats, yeah, who defeats Satan, like at the very end. So here's what's crazy. All the way back in Genesis, right, you meet uh, Adam and Eve, and you meet the serpent, and Adam and Eve eat the fruit, and the serpent, like, deceives them. And then uh, the Lord, he says, he shows up, and he's like, hey, cursed are you to crawl in your belly for, like, the rest of your days. He curses the snake, and he says, um, from the seed of the woman would come someone who will, you, he, you will bite his heel, uh, but he will crush your head, right? So this like kind of prophecy is like laid out that someday someone is coming to eventually defeat the deceiver. And the cool thing is that in the David and Goliath story, this is like super, bi- I'm like nerding out on you guys. All right, so pay, this is the last thing I'll tell you guys. Pay attention. That whenever David goes to meet Goliath, even in the, in the Hebrew scripture, the way that Goliath is described is he's described wearing this like bronze armor. And the, the same word for like the bronze that is always talked about for a Goliath 
is like the same Hebrew word as snake. (laughs) And so whenever David goes to defeat Goliath, it's like supposed to be, it's this big picture essentially of the snake from the garden. That in that moment, in this story, there is one who rises up out of the people who is chosen by God to defeat the snake, like to be the snake crusher. And so even in the David and Goliath story, there's all these things woven in there that like point us forward to Jesus. So that as you read the Old Testament and you look at those things, that it wouldn't be, man, this is about me and what can I do? But it would be that, wow, this is pointing me back to Jesus. So we're going to talk about this more next week. I know this was a lot. So thank you guys for like dialing in with me. I, I get super geeked out about all this stuff. But the, the, I want to encourage us that we would read our Bibles differently and look at the Old Testament even through the lens of this is supposed to be pointing me to Jesus. So even to say, how can I connect those dots and how does this work? I think is important. You guys with me? You good? All right. Hey, let me pray for us and then we'll, we'll pop out of here. Jesus, we love you. Um, thank you for this morning. Thank you that we get to worship you. Um, God, thanks that you're always good to us. I pray that we'd have eyes to see scripture like Jesus does. Uh, that as we look at the Old Testament, that as we look at the, the word that we have here, even in front of us, sometimes even in our laps, like what a miracle that is. And the fact that we can hear from you and read your, your words, God. Um, it's amazing. So I pray that, that you would create in us a desire for your word. That you would make us hungry um, to know more about who you are and, and what you've done. And so, God, thank you that you love us. Thanks for every student and leader that's in here. And I pray that we would go out and, and desire to dig into your word um, and to know more about who you are and who Jesus is. We love you. I pray all these things in your name. Amen. Thanks, guys. Have a great Sunday.